Many years ago, uh, there was a, a famous album that came, up, came out, and um, its creator was Michael Jackson. Oh no, we're starting off really bad. <laughs> Wait, this gets better. It was a, um, it was a, uh, a song on there that, uh, on this album, Thriller, that uh, made a lot of Christians cringe and got upset. It was his, it was song Thriller and uh, so forth, and uh, it was him singing with a bunch of zombies. And um, I think that, uh, you know, now we can kind of look at it and be, have fun, and it's on games that you can learn how to dance with, how to do the thriller like this, okay? And, um, but when I was growing up, it was something that I wasn't allowed to do. Uh, it was, it, so when Michael Jackson debuted this project, it cost $500,000 to make this video. In those days, only other videos only had a fifth of that budget. The whole project came together because Michael Jackson wanted to dress up like a monster, and they made the video to suit his whims. Now, it's one of the most popular videos of all time. The jacket is an icon in American pulp culture, and uh, there is a Guinness record for the number of people who did the Thriller dance simultaneously. Over 13,000 people did the dance simultaneously. Come on. Like you got something better to do? I don't know. But in the video, which I'm not suggesting that you watch, you can if you want, it's dark and occultic, but Michael Jackson ends up in a cemetery with his girlfriend and zombies come up out of the ground and begin dancing with him. <laughs> Things like zombies really have no place in the life of a Christian except there is one story that is remarkably similar to Michael Jackson's video. And that is Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 37. And uh, you can turn there. And as you're turning, I'm going to give you a little lowdown of my week. This week, I have been in consternation. I think that's a good term. I, um, I have been sweating bullets. Last Sunday, I talked about the offering, and uh, I think even two people got up and walked out of the building after I started talking about the offering. Uh, I... Uh, so that has been on my mind and has been my, my place of consternation. On Wednesday, I decided that I would make that a day of fasting and prayer. And as I was praying in my office, I came to the church. I started looking through the job market. That's how wonderful my prayer life was. I began to look through what I could do as a pastor other than pastor. Maybe if I had a job, it would be okay. Well, saskatoonjobshop.ca isn't something that 
is very life-giving. I get this text from my wife. Please listen to this message of Bill Johnson's. And so I loaded it up and I began to listen. And what was amazing was he started using Isaiah 35, which Isaiah 35 was the word that God gave me when I first came to Warman. And I think that I'd like to start off there. In, if you put your finger in Ezekiel, if you go with me to... Um, I have to change my version of my... Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. I, when I started reading this and when it started, I go, God, that's not me. Like, it's funny how when something comes many, many years before, at the beginning of my ministry here, and some almost 20 years later, you begin to read this and you go, oh boy, have we strayed off the path. For myself, personally. And uh, Bill Johnson began to say, well, basically... What that says in those first, three verse, first two verses is that is the place of blessing. That is the goodness of God. That is the place where, where God is. That is the, the glory of God. The majesty of God comes with joy and singing and it's, it's abundance. It is, it's perfect. Verse 3, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with recompense of God. He will come and save you. Okay, I'm, I'm telling you how I felt. I'm told that God is all this wonderfulness. And then he says, declare, declare. He will come and save. Say to those who are weak. And I'm going, in my, in my office, I'm going, God, I am the weak one. I need someone to declare that to me. I don't know. Am I preaching to the deaf here? So I'm the only one that would feel that way? No, I think there's a lot here in this room that would feel the same way. There are, we want someone to come around when we are at the lowest and say, I need that declaration over my life. I need to know that he will come and save. Then the eyes of the blind will open and the ears of the deaf unstopped and, they shall la- and then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. And the waters break forth in wilderness and the streams in the desert. At the time when this came to me 20-some years ago, there was a, there was a, a drought 
around Warman and in the farmland. We could not get rain for the life of us. And God was telling me that just as much as he was going to bring streams, he was going to bring spiritual streams into this land. But you have to understand is that there's a lot of things that can take place in life from the beginning to the end if you allow it to, and it can distract you and get you off the path and the, and the place that God has for you. I don't feel like the eyes of the blind were open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. But then the Lord reminded me, oh, remember those, we had those series of meetings and someone with a stroke, the effects of the stroke began to be gone. People began to be healed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. It's true. I, 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 f- I wrestled with this, and then I thought, well, God, I'm in want, and you're telling me to speak, and what am I supposed to speak? How am I going to do that? Well, I, I thought, well, maybe I'll just, because my wife is telling me to get some hope. <laughs> and, uh, you know, wives often tell what you need to hear when you don't really want to hear what you need to hear. <laughs> right? So I, I, I went through the search function of iTunes podcasts on my own library and went and put out the word hope. And there was another podcast about hope, but they began with Ezekiel 37. A lady who had lost her son from brain cancer was declaring the word of the Lord through, Isaiah, through Ezekiel chapter 37. She lost her son a few years and they decided they would sell their home because there was a lot of memories there. She told her husband to take their children and she began to clean the house and pray. Ezekiel 37. That takes guts. In a minute you'll know why. All of a sudden in my room, God saying, get your butt out of your office and in this sanctuary and begin to declare (coughs) and prophesy to bring life to dead bones. So that afternoon, I walked up and down each of your aisle declaring, declaring, prophesying over the dead bones. And that's why we're talking about Ezekiel chapter 37. Now turn there and let's read. The hand of the Lord was upon me And he brought me out of the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, you know. That's a smart man. He doesn't argue with God. He just says, 
you know. I'm just a vessel. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to those bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and, you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up. And our hope is lost, and we are indeed cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. I have heard this message, these scripture passages being preached at some, at family camp, at Bible camp, and you get a great preacher that will preach about the bones coming together. But I want to tell you is that there are things that are happening in our lives today that are causing the church to fall asleep. Ephesians tells us in chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Awake, O sleeper. A lot of times in life, we get caught in things that over and over and over again, they cause us to deaden and to just drift in life, and we wait for something to happen. It causes us to just live life from, from an old saying here, pillar to post, or from thing to thing. And so when this lady began to talk about the dry bones, and she began to prophesy as she cleaned her house, I felt as a pastor that I need to prophesy life over the death, over the things that have been lost that we've allowed to slip away. We have in turn allowed reality to direct our steps. We have allowed circumstances, politics, our pocketbook, our relationships to dictate what life is like. Very rarely will we sometimes, or I'm, I'm going to be careful how I talk because I may, out of my emotion, want to 
general, make big generalized statements because may not all of us fit under the scope. But what I'm about to say is that sometimes we've allowed circumstances of life and the things of life to just allow us to exist without bringing the spirit, the most important reality, into our life as Christians. We've allowed our experiences, our situations, to say that there is no hope. And what God desires to know is that he is asking you, you and I, to make a declaration, to speak to the dead places in our life and bring life back into them. Enough is enough. If we truly believe that God is who he says he is and that he lives and he lives through us, then there are times where we have to not just sit back and be as children to receive, but we have to be army or soldiers that will get into the battle and confess and walk in faith according to what we believe. You see, there are two situations in how you walk out your Christian life. In Mark chapter 10, it talks about you being a child, where you will receive God as a child, and you will receive the things, and that's part of the kingdom of God. But in Mark chapter 11, it says that the, that the righteous will take it by force. The kingdom of God is laid hold of by force. What is that force? Does that mean we take up and we do battle and that we kill people? No. The action is, is that we will in fact walk out our lives by faith. That we will take what we know to what we've heard, what we've, what we've seen, we've had testimonies, we've made declarations. But part and parcel church is we have to take the fight. We have to stand up and believe in what we believe. I know that there is more things than just what I am facing that cause consternation and allows us to sleep in slumber, in life. And what was taking place here today was it, there was a call to wake up. There was a call here to wake up and to receive your word. Church, enough is enough. You have to be able to not only be as a child to receive what God wants for you, you have to take what he desires for you to have and to use it. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, or chapter 1, starting at verse 18, Timothy talks to or Paul talks to Timothy, and I want to read that to you. I am totally off my notes, but anyway, that's okay. We're okay with that, right? That's right. 
starting at verse, and it's only... Verse 18. This charge I entrust to you. Timothy, my child, in accordance with the, with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience by projecting this, that some maybe have shipwrecked their faith. And I won't go into that, but I want to... Holding the faith and good conscience. Timothy in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that you may wage the good warfare about holding the faith. Prophecy is a word of God coming to you about a promise for your future and for your destiny. It's where he's taking you. The point here is that you won't get there without using the tools that you need to get there. God will keep all of his promises, but he's not obligated to keep our potential. There's something in God's heart that he gives each of us that are his tools and weapons and things that can take us from here to there that are in our hands. It's the, it's the good fight of faith. Faith that is expressing itself in action. Without using it, we will miss the tool to take us from here to there. The good fight of faith doesn't, doesn't necessarily step us into what God is, but the process is necessary so that God can give us what we need for our future and for our destiny. It's kind of like the chicken coming out of the egg. The chicken has to break through the egg in order for it to, to live and to survive. There are things that are happening to you that you need to walk through in order for you to know how to survive what's coming. So the conflict that you face right now is not something that you have to fear. It's something that you can rejoice in because God's given you the victory and the tools in order to get through it. When Israel was brought out of Egypt, even before they, got, they crossed the Red Sea, God did an amazing thing. He made an adjustment to their plan. He said that I will not take them through to the Philistines in, order, in case they want to go back to Egypt. He circumvented the most direct route to the promised land. What does that mean? Well, it means this, that any fight that you're, not, that you're not prepared to win, he's going to give you an adjustment to. Can I say that again? Any fight that you're not intended to win, he will take you around. Meaning, that which is coming and there is something for you to walk through and to obtain victory. But you won't get the victory without walking the good fight of faith.
You see, there's something about the prophetic message that comes with the Word of God that allows us to, to get to the other side. You see, we have the concept of possibility of promise, that which God has arranged for us, designed for us, won't be experienced unless I responsibly steward what God has placed in my life, specifically His Word over me. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. You take the Word that's been placed over you and you responsibly use it. I guess one, going back to Ezekiel chapter 37, God is the one that took Ezekiel to the dead place. Is there a dead place in your life that you just seem to always hit time and time and time again? Maybe it's not the enemy that's trying to take you there, it's God. We tend to avoid hard, difficult things. We see a valley of dry bones as a sign that we took the wrong exit. We think God's will is for us to be a rosy, perfect, wonderful life. But God's highest and best for your life is not happiness. It's Christ-likeness. And He's looking for people who are willing to follow Him to the dead places. Remember, Master... Only you know that. God wants your miracle to be interactive. He can do it all by Himself, but He wants to have a conversation with you. The disciples said the same thing happened to them when they were involved in a miracle with the loaves and fishes. Right afterward, they became afraid that the next storm would sink them. And because they had forgotten the lesson of the first miracle, even God said, "Have you? what about the, lo- the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Herod? They were thinking, this must be bread. We forgot the bread. It wasn't about the bread. It was about the miracle. He said to me, prophesy over these bones. Dry bones, listen to the message of God. God wants his voice to come from your lips. Did you hear me? God wants His voice to come from your lips. Prophecy is more than just hearing from God. It's the privilege of speaking on His behalf. We know the will of God revealed in Jesus. We can speak the will of God into every situation, especially the difficult things. God is so determined to work with you that He will sometimes wait until you're ready to speak. Did you hear me? God gives the word. God does the work. We just embody the message. Remember, Ezekiel doesn't not believe anything can be done with the valley of dry bones. He's avoiding God's question because he knows only God can speak the truth. 
God still puts the word of prophecy on the lips of a doubter. And sometimes it's the act of prophesying that stirs our faith. The act of prophecy stirs our faith. That's why God got me out of my office and right here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, it says that everyone who prophesies speak to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Prophecy is the receiving and giving of a word to a person or group of people. The content of such is to speak strength, encouragement, and comfort. So genuine prophecy will consist of hearing from God and speaking what you hear in order to build comfort and encourage. So how do I successfully walk in that? Understand, first of all, that you hear God. All of you are here for a purpose and a plan, but you would not be here unless God was special to you and he drew you to himself. And the fact that you responded to that means that you hear his voice. Two, as you submit to the word of God, you act on divine impressions that stir you towards him. That means that as I submit and as I hear the word of God, I act on divine impressions and act upon them. And you know how I know that they are correct? Is that they encourage, comfort. So I know they are of God. I don't have to worry that I'm going to speak something that's not of Him. And number three, speak those impressions, those impressions to yourself or others under the direction to build, comfort, and encourage. A lot of times we make a big deal out of prophecy that it has to be some kind of boom, hit me over the head with lightning type of action. Sometimes that's the case. But other times, it's just the fact that we are spent time in his presence and we are dwelling in his impressions and we walk forward by faith and we declare what we already know to be true. Right, right. I have to take what this is as truth. That's my first step. So whatever it says this about me, I can declare that. Right. Try it. Right. Take time to spend reading and then declaring, making your prayers out loud, not just to yourself, but out loud. Speak it over your home. Speak it over your family. Speak it before your children leave for school. My mom used to do that every day. As I walked out the door, she would bring me and hug me, and then she'd declare the word of the, God, word of the Lord. I would, you know, as a teenager, I'm thinking, Mom, you're being a little too super spiritual. Yeah. But the fact was that she knew and she was making a deposit. And the fruit, the fruit, all her children know the Lord. Come on. Like, sometimes we, we think that it's just happenstance. No, there is courage that takes when you take the word of God and you make declarations and you, pro you take the promises of God and you stand upon them. There are promises in here that are not just generalizations, but you can grab a hold and say, they are for me.
He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Tell the breath. God, the master says, come from the four winds. Come, breath. Breathe on these slain bodies. Breathe life. So I prophesied just as he commanded me. The breath entered them and they came alive. They stood on their feet, a huge army. We need to understand that there are things around us that are dead that need life. We also need to prophesy breath on that new life. Resurrection needs a lasting outcome. We, you need more than a shot of life, but a lasting result that, because destiny is involved. Resurrection life is meant to last. Right? Resurrection life is meant to last. Therefore, it is something upon our lives because we've been called to reconciliation. That resurrected life has been breathed on us. We take it in in communion. Therefore, it is something that is pent up inside us that we can release in a moment's notice. God's chosen army, hear me, came from death into life. God's chosen army came from death into life. Let me, some of you are still thinking this through, but let God's chosen army was dead. He chose the dead. And he spoke life into the dead to make a difference to life. That's what he has done to each and every one of us. God exclusively works through death and resurrection. He's not trying to make people better or fix. He's trying to make you alive again. Only a resurrected army understands both the surrender that comes from death and the gratitude that comes from divine life. God is not afraid of dead people. I used to say that to my church in Penticton. I had a friend who was a a funeral director. He used to embalm people. I used to tell them he was going to speak, and I said, listen to this guy because he knows what to do with dead people. God is not afraid of dead people. In fact, they aren't just dead bodies. They're dead bones. It's a lifeless structure and nothing else. You keep on going on dates with your spouse even though the passion seems to be dwindling. You keep generously giving even as your finances are slipping. You maintain a posture of honor even as the other person in conflict with you is tearing you down. You keep showing up at church even though you don't seem to get anything out of it. You keep reading your Bible and waiting on God to speak to you even though you haven't heard anything. There are practices and habits and forms in your behavior that are sometimes feel lifeless. They are dry bones, but God desires to breathe on them. 
He's just waiting for you and I to prophesy. God fulfills his promises all the way to completion. Because he said, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Listen to what they're saying. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. There's nothing left of us. And quite frankly, I've heard a lot of that around this place. I sat in a meeting the other day, and our own economic forecast for Saskatoon is a C+. Saskatoon and region's economic place is a C+, right now. I'm going... That real, and it's, it was a really a, a generous C plus. Mining is in the tank. You can go on and on, and it, it affects every one of us, and everyone around here can say, well, it doesn't affect, well, guess what? It does. Things around here are they feel like they're in dry bones. And I'm wanting to say it is our place as the church of God to speak life to the dead places. I have tried over the past few recent years to let all of you know that there, are, there is coming a time where we as Christians have to be able to live out our life as we believe, regardless of what circumstances and situations beset us here and now. The economic forecast of Saskatoon is not your Bible. Your lack in finances is not your reality. The place that God has called you to that is such an uphill battle that it'll take a miracle to make something happen is not your fight and not your strength. The devil made me mad this week and I'm going to... I am going to rock that world because if I can get 50 of you to feel like me, he's in trouble. I can only imagine what it would be like to clean a home full of memories when you've lost a loved one. I don't know what your place is of the dry, dead bones. But God is calling you to stand up and to prophesy. What have you got to lose? (laughs) Really. If the conflict you're facing is a promise that he will bring victory through it, what have you got to lose?
I want to I want to take a few more minutes and just hit something before I close, and that is our mind. The battleground is our mind. And once victory is made in how you think, you have to do something with what is said. You see, sometimes we've allowed ourselves to let the mind wander. And we allow the mind to bring and contemplate and think on the lies and the things. You see, when we've allowed the lie to be somewhat reasonable, we've empowered the liar. So when we take, when we confront the lie and bring the lie in line with the word, then we are responsible to what we do with that word. Bill Johnson says, you are one proclamation short of your victory. The word is not just to be harbored, but to be treasured and pondered. That's what Mary did. She treasured it. It wasn't common. It was valued. And it was to be brought out in an appropriate time. And so when God gives to us His Word, He strengthens us to do battle and to deal with the lie. We owe it to God to take what we've treasured and pondered, what He's given to us, what we're thinking, and it needs to have influence on our life, our thinking for the future. It's to be brought out at a time where it is to infect and to create our destiny. What has God said for you? What has God said for us? I didn't have time this morning to go through my own personal promises, but I'm going to this these next few weeks, I'm going to take out the promises and the prophecies that I have written and I will go over them and I will, I will begin to remind God of what he said. Not that he needs to be, that he's forgotten. But it allows me to take what has been given and to treasure, to ponder, and to allow it to infect my life for the present and for the future. I also know what he has said over us, over this church. Which got me out of my office into this room and got me prophesying. Church, it's not just for the pastor. It's for all of us. Can I encourage you to use the word to get you where you're supposed to go? If you have a family member not walking with the Lord, take the word of the Lord. Me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Make a proclamation. Confess the name of the individual and proclaim it that it is the will of the Lord and it will be done for me and my household. You don't have enough finances? Do the same. 
maybe not me and my household, but you can use another scripture verse that Jesus said, give and it'll be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's Jesus' words, not Pastor Kendall's. We take that which is spoken and we put it into word form and we make decrees. That's what we did this morning. Some things just have to be spoken. In Psalm chapter 103, verses 19 to 22, and there's a little portion there. It says, the angels give attention to his word and to the voice of his word. There are times... We have to speak that which was spoken. Make declaration, make proclamation. There are times that God just declares a matter and the angels know their assignment. Whenever they hear His voice, they're to enforce the word of the Lord. And sometimes He doesn't make the decree, but He is the still small voice in our heart and the angels don't hear God's voice until we make the proclamation. There's a lot of stuff left undone in heaven because Christians don't speak. There are a lot of things not done, undone in heaven because Christians don't speak. We don't boss angels around on speculations, but they can tell what originates from the throne of God. Use the word, the sword of the Lord. Take seriously that which God has said. It's very easy to want another prophetic word or another promise. However good these are, they're not decrees until He will do. He won't do it without us. They're decrees of what He will do with us. He is often speaking His word through us, not just He's wanting to speak his word through us, not just for us. I want to ask you, church, for at least the next three months, that you would take one day out of your week to fast and pray. It's time to get serious and take the promises that He has given you and talk to Him about it. Remember, the disciples couldn't cast out a demon and they asked the Lord, well, this takes fasting and prayer. Fasting is a good tool, a spiritual tool to use in spiritual warfare and the good fight of faith. You're not twisting God's arm. You're in fact taking the distraction of food and saying, God, I want you as my food. I want my sustenance to come from you. There's something about getting uh, that sustenance from him that changes the perspective and our prayers. Second thing is enough is enough. 
Paul told Timothy, it's out of a good conscience. Reason sometimes we doubt the prophetic word or to prophesy is because our conscience is not clean. It's kind of like this, the conscience allows our faith to grow. The unclean conscience creates double-mindedness and doubt. Because the heart is where faith comes. Bring the things that have been inconsistent in your life and bring them to the Lord and ask Him for your help. There's not a criticism here. There's not a works of righteousness I'm asking you to do. I'm, what I'm saying is it's time to take those places of, of conscience and bring them before the Lord and allow God to change our thinking through repentance. Repentance isn't something that says, you know, oh, woe is my, I'm a worm, da-da-da-da. No, it's a change of thinking that we get God's thoughts. And lastly, I want you to prophesy. I want you to take the dead places and prophesy. I went down the road. I, I, I love church for this reason is most of you are sit in the same places all the time. And therefore, when I get to that place of walking down each and every through the aisles and I, I know where you sit and I begin to prophesy over you. I am really tired of the old stuff that is still hanging on God has created life in our church, but there are a few things that are that the end that are hanging on, and we need to speak life into those places. I am not going to give the enemy any more territory. None. When Rick Pino phoned and said wanted to come, I went. I thought about it, but I went back to the values of who we are as a house. There are little things here that speak so much of a spiritual warfare that I, I can't, I, like, our internet went out. This building has no internet. Why now? Sastel comes and says, it's in the building. We'll come and look at it for $90 an hour. We'll try to fix it for you. We've gone how many years with not a problem of the internet, and now we're spending money for something that 
has never bothered us before. Uh-uh. I am not going to succumb. I am speaking life into that internet. As soon as we start working on that this year, our finances have gone through the tube, and that stinks. And I am not going to give up that. Because that is the outpouring of the design for our church. And I am not going to give up what God has called us to do. I don't know where it's going to come from, but I'm going to believe. I'm speaking finances. I've walked up and down each and every thing in this room, and I've spoken finances over all of you, so you're going to get good, good money coming in. I am not wanting to be the pastor that guilts you into doing things. That's the wrong spirit and the wrong place to go. I will not. I will not. I will not do that. I will tell you where things are at, but I will not guilt you into doing something. I'm, I want God. I will use the tools of God that he has given me and that alone. There are family issues that have, that have been mentioned here today that have been carried on from a long period of time, and I am believing God for the restoration of families in this church. I'm tired of the back door being as big as the front door, and I will not allow it. I will speak life and speak abundant life. I will prophesy to the dead bones. I will prophesy over the life that is in this church. I'm asking you, church, Christians, if you don't make this your church home, then, I, then believe God for the place that you, that you spend your time in and the family of God that you, that, call, that you call home. I pray that you will take this message and it will become your conviction for the body that God's called you to. Yeah. But you who call this home, this family... It's time. It's time to take all the words that God has given to us and call them and declare them forward. Does that mean things may, will change overnight? Maybe. I'll believe God for that. But if not, I will still take what he has declared in the future to be my now. Look out. This is going to be a fun ride. Because the conflict that he's called us to is my victory. And I want it yesterday. <laughs>